This week at Maroon and Bowl, we talk about Mike Dana's decision to transfer to Michigan and how it was his lifelong dream. Then we'll talk about CMU baseball and their start to the season last week, splitting two games with Troy. And then we'll get into the men's and women's basketball here at CMU and how they're making a push for the top of their division as it gets towards March. All that more on Maroon and Bowl next. Welcome into Maroon and Bold. My name is Andrew McDonald. I'm the sports editor and across from me, per usual, is Evan Petzold, our assistant sports editor here. Other than it being like 100 degrees up here in Moorhall, Evan, how are we doing today? <laughs> it's a lot nicer than outside, I'll say that much. So I'm doing all right. For sure. You definitely definitely can't complain in either way. There's de- it's, been, it's been a big week in, in sports this week. I mean, there's really just been a lot going on around CMU, and I think this is just the most unique one. Um, out of any of them is Mike Dana deciding to go to Michigan. It's, it's there's been a pipeline going there over the past couple of years. Um, all really starting with Shane Morris a couple of years back um, from going to Michigan to play at CMU. But now it's more of a and now now there's actually a change that goes from CMU to play at Michigan with uh, Mike Dana being a grad transfer. Honestly, I mean, I don't know if it you would say the best player on their defense to, this next coming year, but I think that Mike Dana could have been CMU's. You know, top player this upcoming season, or he definitely could have been fighting for that on, on the defensive side of the football. Um, and he ends up, you know, leaving to go to Michigan. So that's obviously a huge loss in a defensive line that already kind of lost a lot from a season ago. Um, so really, his decision to leave is, is definitely kind of, I think, irks some of the people. And then some people really don't care around Mount Pleasant, think that it's good for him. Thankful for his time here. Other people, you see reactions that are kind of like, why would you leave? You know, what? like that that's a slap in the face to CMU. I've seen stuff like that. Um, all over the internet, but really, I mean, the guy's just trying to better himself, and and this is what he thinks is best for his future. Um, Evan, you kind of got behind it a little bit more, and he was able to talk to you first and get and give you all the stuff. So, what what have you really found out about Mike's decision to leave? I mean, it all kind of came down to that childhood dream, right? You go to you go to Warren Deal Sal, and that's a school where it's in Michigan, man, and it's and it's close to Ann Arbor, and it's this this pipeline feel of either, you know, you're a, you're a Michigan guy, you're a Michigan state guy. And that's how kids in the state grow up. So, you know, with both of his parents being, you know, Michigan fans and in him for a majority of his life, he said, he said for a short period, he was a Michigan state fan, but then he said that he woke up and smelled the coffee and then decided to become, you know, Wolverines fan. He's, he's been like that a majority of his life. So Michigan wasn't an option coming out of high school for him after he broke his leg. Um, you know, right when the senior year, right when his senior season started in 2014, and without that, you know, he ended up establishing himself in, in Mount Pleasant playing for CMU and talks about how he wouldn't he wouldn't have ever regretted it. He understands that there's a process to everything, but ultimately, like it just comes down to fulfilling this dream. That's what he wanted to do. That's what he that's what he's always wanted to do. And if you have an opportunity to take something that's your dream and that's been your dream since you were a kid, I don't know why you wouldn't take it. I mean, if it's your dream, you're going to go chase it regardless yeah <laughs> that's the that's the whole like, point of life right i don't care about and, and i know and there's been like you know i know you had a, a promotion analogy and all that kind of stuff and i think even and I, and I agree with that but i think taking it a step further it's it's the it's the guy's dream it's his lifelong dream like i don't see a problem with a guy chasing his dream better, at, at all bettering himself for the future i mean period if you're if you go to a school like michigan you can say what you want, you know, people up here at CMU, it's, it, it is what it is here. It is, people do make it to the NFL um, out of here. It's definitely been proven. I mean, a la Antonio Brown, but you don't get seen as easy. And if you go to a school like Michigan, you actually make a mark next year and show that you can play at the big 10 level. That's only going to help yourself for any NFL draft, you know, prospect or whatever, any scout that's watching you, it's only going to make you better. If people that read the story or that commented on, you know, Facebook or Twitter or people that listen to this podcast, if they were to walk in 
to press row in Ann Arbor at the big house and they checked the seating board of where people were sitting for that game, they would notice about every game, about every home game at least, you know, from what I've seen in the past and from what I know others have have tweeted out and sent out, you know, during the regular season, there's at least three to six NFL scouts at every home Michigan football game. A couple CFL scouts too. Makes sense. <laughs> so, and, and the funny thing is too, when you know, here in Mount Pleasant, I think there was maybe one all season that, that came to a home CMU football game. Mm-hmm. So you're talking about three to six every home game or one all year at CMU. I mean, don't tell me that he's not going to get noticed. <laughs> get you know, don't, don't, don't tell me that. Don't tell me that getting noticed you know, has no difference when I just when I just fed you that. It's it's just it's a fact of life at the Big Ten, SEC, whatever gets more recognition. And also, you don't even have to go that far. You can just look at Michigan as a whole. Go look in the NFL right now and tell me how many Michigan defensive players are on rosters and how many of them play. Not even just because now they're just in the bench or they're like a pushover. I mean. There are lineups in the NFL that have a lot of Michigan players on it, whether it's from older teams, but a lot of them are from recent years of these defenses that were under Don Brown. Now, I know that that's in a different direction right now, but either way, Michigan has proved that even when they don't have, you know, the most successful seasons, you know, in, in terms of what they consider a successful season winning the Big Ten or anything like that, they have plenty of players that come out and produce in the NFL that aren't just Tom Brady. Like, there's a lot of people that are playing on defenses and stuff right now that are playing very well in the NFL, so... It's kind of hard for me to say that this was in any way a bad decision for Mike. The other thing, too, is you want to get noticed. You can play on national television every single week, or you can pay on, or you can play on ESPN Plus behind a paywall where no one's going to pay that, <laughs> exactly. that chunk of change to watch you play. Except us so, that like watch them on the road. <laughs> so so what, do you, what do you prefer? You think people are really going to pay just to watch Mike Dana play? I'm sure they would flip on their TV, though, just to watch him play yeah. if it was free. You know, I mean, obviously they're paying their cable, but nonetheless, that's right there for you. You're telling me if this guy doesn't make it big in the NFL, say he ends up making it huge in the NFL. You don't think there's anybody up here at CMU that's not going to be like, that guy used to go to Central Michigan. Like, they're still going to brag about that. Yeah, they're still going to act be the, like he was. The same guys, it's going to be the same guys that were hating on him too. <laughs> exactly. Your old timer chip, whoever, <laughs> whoever they are, you know. Anything like that. Anybody who's on, on Twitter like hating on him, I guarantee you they'll come back and say the same thing. But it's just, I mean, it's not even that. And then the other thing is it, it simply you want to have success, right? You want to win. You want to, you know, make a mark in your last season. I'm sorry. I know Jim McElway might bring a new motion. And, and Mike Dana was the first to say in six his, and six at best. Exactly. And his goodbye. He said, like, you know, I believe in you guys believe what they're doing. They went one and 11 last year. And I don't care who the new coach is or what he brings in or what, what it might be. That's a lot to rebuild. And he's got one season left to play. Honestly, if you're a CMU fan, I look at it as next year. This guy isn't, you know, he's going to be around for one more season. What's it going to hurt in another year where you're probably not going to be very good? You might as well accept that now if you're watching Central Michigan football. Why not get somebody in there that's going to be good for you in the future and years to come? I mean, you just had a couple of defensive ends leave over the past few seasons that were very good. You know, like Mitch Stanisak, Joe Osman, whatever it might be. Time to start thinking maybe more towards the new direction. And, and Mike Dana leaving only kind of helps that to get these guys more playing time. So Yeah, I think, too, I mean, even look at, like, how good Mitch Stanisak was. And he's not even participating in pro day. He's, he's yeah, not. right. He, Joe Osman, I mean, he's on a practice squad and he was really good. Yeah. He was really, really good. But I think it was interesting too with, with Mike Dana, just the fact that, you know, I asked him off the top of his head, you know, who was, who was reaching out to, who was trying to recruit you. And he said, um, off the top of his head, Michigan, UCLA, Michigan state, Iowa, Virginia tech, Cincinnati, Arizona state, Oklahoma state, Florida, Pittsburgh. And he took visits to Michigan and UCLA picked the Wolverines. But I mean, 
Dude, you got that many offers. You have that many opportunities to go play at a power five program. I don't want to say a higher level, but yeah, well, let's yeah, be I mean, honest. Let's be I honest. Mean, it is a higher I, you level. You and me play. don't have to lie sitting in this room. We I both know, know what I level know. of football is higher and it's just athletics are higher. It is what it is. And you can say what you want and comment what you want, but it's the truth. And I mean, it's just, you can look at the records. If you had to put it, the big yeah, I mean, 10. Well, well, you sit there and you take last year and you look at CMU's one and 11 team and you put them up <laughs> against, you know, you put them up against Michigan 15 times or, you know, Ohio state for that matter, 15 times. Realistically, you're not going to win. You're not going to win more than half at all. Yeah. So it is a higher even, level. A it is a higher yeah. level. I don't even know if you're going to win close to half with the way last year's team. You might was. get, you might, you might steal a win, <laughs> steal a win or two. Yeah, for sure. But, but I, I don't know. It's yeah, no, I agree. And it also some relations there, right? True Wilson and mm-hmm. stuff like that, where his teammates the past. So, know some people there not that that would weigh that big into his decision but when you've had a dream to play there your whole life you get the chance to do it it's clearly better for your overall future i think it's the right move to make and and this isn't something that we're going to just see in the future we're not going to just see this happen all the time where you know central michigan guy yeah exactly where central michigan guys are going to go to michigan so this is a big deal i mean the fact that he even got the chance to be able to go and play there and be a part of that system and you know the timing works out with who michigan you know lost over this year with chase winovich and you know Rashawn gary going to the nfl draft it's that kind of stuff helps helps him out and gives him the chance to do it. He might as well take it and better himself for it. So that's how I'm kind of looking at it. I think I think we can both agree and say it was probably the right move for the guy to be able to go do that. And good for him because, I mean, every time I talk to Mike, he's a very open guy, very good guy. So happy for him. But moving in the next thing about sports that are happening right now, um, it'll be uh, baseball is just getting going. And I know that you you paid attention to it. You did the, did the article last week, and they went 2-2 two and two against Troy, um, kind of a, a team this year that's predicted to finish fourth in the MAC. So they're – you know, a little bit higher than the middle. I, I don't know much about Troy baseball or how good they've been in the past, but is there really a lot, you know, that you can take away from games this early in the season? I mean, what does it mean that they're able to get a couple of wins right away? Because, I mean, more times than not, you see a lot of MAC teams come out and play against these non-conference opponents, and they kind of struggle to start the year, and then all of a sudden the record will start getting better as the year moves along if they're really good in the MAC. So I don't know how good a team like Troy is or what you can take away from going 2-2, two and two, but either way, they went all the way down there, got a couple of wins, and, I mean, you're at least 500 to start the year. You can say something positive. Yeah. I think the one nice thing that, you know, I noticed from that four game series was Logan Butchkowski working in the closer role as a sophomore this year, last year really struggled with his command, just had trouble hitting the strike zone. That was, that was kind of his thing. And he threw two and one thirds, um, picked up a save in the process, four strikeouts, one walk, didn't allow any hits or any runs. So just the fact that he was able to to really command his pitches and hit the strike zone in a way that really he hasn't been able to do before. I mean, there's been spurts of it. And I think, you know, last year they they pushed him a little too much to try to work in a starter's role. And you saw him take on some of those weird midweek games, you know, where you you know, you know how later in the season they play, yeah. you know, one game at Michigan during the middle of the week, one game at State. Yeah, like they bring Randall Lawrence Tech, they bring Lawrence Tech up for a game, that kind of stuff. I mean, you saw him throwing in those kind of games. And I just don't think that he's ready or maybe he's just not that type of pitcher to to throw long innings like that i mean he he could be a really long a, a good long closer type of a pitcher yeah. and a short you know closer type of a pitcher I, I just like what he has um you know when it isn't all about you know this seven inning game plan when it's like all right just get the next guy just get the next guy yeah. and, I, and i think that that's where he shines brightest so that was that was obviously a, a big takeaway for me. Zach Cohn, he started that fourth game and, and got the win. Six innings strong, only gave up three hits and two walks, struck out four, no runs allowed. That was that's always good to see. And Cohn, 
worked out of the bullpen a little bit last year. And, and I know you lose Michael Brattell and you lose days on Cole after last year's you know season. So you got to fill that starting pitching and you got to figure out what you're going to do there to just bring guys in and, and get the job done. Cameron Brown, another guy who who's filling in um, as a starting pitcher. He's one and oh now after a, a strong performance, he did give up one run, but didn't walk anybody and only allowed four hits, six strikeouts and six innings. That's also impressive to me. So to see Cone and, and Brown, two new faces to the starting rotation come in and, and just just flat out dominate. And I know it was just one game and I know it's so early, but that's still no, that's really still nice to sign. see from the outside <laughs> looking in. And and yeah, man, I mean, Zach Gillis, you know, as far as well, as far as at the plate goes. Yeah. Seven of 14 um, through those through those four games. So you're hitting 500 to start the year. That's that's something that you want. I think another thing, too, is Griffin Lockwood Powell looking at the power that he can bring three hits and 19 at bats. I I understand that's not where you want him to be, but he did slug a home run and also had um, a two RBI double deep in the corner. Sometimes it's the guys are, though, you know, that's the kind of player that he is, though, to to see. So to see him, you know, fully recovered from the injury that he was that he had that was just like lingering all last season he had the offseason surgery and and now being able to produce and, and to see him go yard in that first series was was really impressive as well but I think that one of the biggest things that the new head coach Jordan Bischel's trying to get his guys to do is to hit with power and not not in a way that you're overly aggressive looking for home runs but you're just looking to drive the ball and that's something that CMU never did under Steve Jacks or their old coach. I mean, they played the small ball. They, they bunted. Mm-hmm. They, they tried to, you know, get a single and steal, steal, steal. And that, that's just the kind of game that they played. Never played, you know, the, the power type of game or the long ball. And, and, and even looking back at Bishop, when he took over at Northwood in 2014, you know, the year before that, Northwood hit just eight home runs. 2018 season, his last, his last year, you know, working with the Timberwolves, they had 46 home runs. So by the time he got there, eight home runs. By the time he left, 46 home runs. Wow. And he wants to bring that to CMU. Last year, they belted just 12 home runs, and, and that was really it for them. So far this season, through four games played, already three homers. Yeah, that's so that's already a quarter. I mean, driving the ball, his, that, that's his game, and that's what he likes to do, and, and I think that's going to bode well for the Chippewas. For sure. The other question I kind of had for you, too, just looking at it with uh, Bushkowski getting the save and then Miller getting the save, we talked about kind of in the, in the first podcast, we started talking about baseball. They're going to have closers that were going to kind of, you know, mm-hmm. split that role and everything both get a save. So do you kind of keep going with that kind of a, a setup where you're going to use two guys or would you like to see one more than the other? Yeah, no, I mean, it's really interesting because, you know, you have Cam Miller, obviously, and you have Logan Butchkowski, obviously, but you also have Jack Collins who came in mm-hmm. late in, in the first game and, just got absolutely shelled. I mean, he pitched one and one thirds innings, gave up two hits, two walks, two runs. And so you talk, you talk about taking it, you know, almost as like a closer by committee thing. And, and yeah, I mean, I think that's how you got to do it. I think, you know, Butchkowski really, really showed up and, and showed out. And that's, that's impressive, obviously. But I think when you have a guy like Jack Collins who, who just struggled and the fact that it also is so early in the season, you got three guys that you can really just rotate and I think you're going to eventually see that just, you know, kind of start to weed out. You're going to see one of those guys probably turn into just like a, a dominant seventh or eighth inning type setup. of pitcher, just yeah. a setup man. That's going to, that's going to absolutely just mow you down. 
that doesn't have the pressure on them of just being, you know, the guy in to the back in, end of that yep. pen. It's a mindset. So sure. I, I like it. I, I think that right now it's good, but I, I really would not be surprised if eventually they kind of started to develop a rotation because you know how important that is in baseball just to have that consistency. That, that's you just said the word, took it right out of my mouth, man. Consistency is where it's at because if you keep rotating and keep trying to switch sometimes and play by matchups, that can come back to burn you. I think any baseball manager would tell you that, that if you sometimes, you know, you think you have the right guy to come in and he's going to do it, you know, just because of the matchup, a lefty against a lefty, righty against a lefty, whatever you might want to do. And that doesn't always work out the best. So sometimes it's better to get someone that's consistent and just dominant and has that mindset that they can come in and get the win. So right now we're in the year when you have a bunch of guys doing it, it's definitely better to have more than less. Um, but as the season goes along, I, th- I think you'd like to see one of those guys kind of get into that role. Now, exactly what you said, one of them moving to a setup. If you get those mindsets where you're like, this is my job, I have to come in and do this because that's half of what baseball is. It's all mental. Um, being able to come in and do something like that can definitely help them out. So for sure. Good starts of the year. No, no, nevertheless, you know, going, going two and two, I think definitely a positive thing when you guys start in the road and we'll definitely keep up with them playing again this weekend. So moving on to the teams that are playing right now though. And it, it's definitely getting uh, interesting to say the least uh, for the, for the men's basketball team. Cause I'm not going to lie. I definitely didn't think there was a chance. They're actually gonna be able to come back and, and take this division, but now it's more or less in their control. Um, they're just a game down from Toledo, who slipped up the other night uh, against Eastern. Or, yeah, it was against Eastern Michigan, I believe they were playing against. Yeah, they lost to Eastern on the road. Um, and so the Chippewas, they, they end up taking the win the other night at home. So they are 7-6, and six, and Toledo's 8-5 and five in the conference. Um, just a couple weeks ago, we were talking about how CMU was down three games. You know, I, I, wrote, I wrote an article about how they still felt like they really had a chance to win it. Sean Roundtree used the word that he, he thought that they were the most feared team in the league still. And it was almost kind of kind of laughable, I mean, in a way, because there's teams like Buffalo and stuff in the conference. But nevertheless, I mean, they have been in all these games. They've been that close. We talked about it all year about, how, you know, they just can't finish off some of the teams they have to. Kent State's a pretty good team. I mean, 19 and 7, 8 and 5, and they came out there and beat them the other day. And that, that was impressive to me. Um, that's a team that CMU has definitely struggled against the years since I've been here. Um, for them to be able to get a win and be able to stay in this race and especially be able to take advantage of Eastern Michigan the loss and catching up a game. They play Toledo here in just a little bit down the stretch. So if they win that game, they would hold the tiebreaker over Toledo. So at this point, if you win out all your games, including that game against Toledo, they could be named the Mac West champion. So it is within their grasp now. It is definitely a very real concept um, to have to think about. But you take a look at their schedule, and, and they got Ball State coming up in Eastern Michigan. And both of those games um, are not are not in uh, McGurk Arena. And that is where we've seen CMU play its best basketball. You were there the other night. Um, again, it, it was a game where you know it was kind of – Kind of back and forth a little bit, and Kent State kind of kept creeping, creeping, creeping. Um, they took the lead. Yeah, until they finally in, you know, took the lead back over, but then CMU ends up winning the game by 10. Of course, there's some free throws again that end up helping with that. But the defense um, was something that seemed to be you know really, really important in that game and, be, and being able to shut down the max top scorer. What, what did you uh, see, I guess, from your, your vision point the other night? It was almost like a cockiness, but like it worked, and it, and it wasn't disrespectful in that way. I mean, you saw Larry Austin Jr. all over him, and he was talking to him, man. He was in his ear. He was getting to his head, and I, I think that's what I – mean, I don't think he was disrespectful in any way. I think it was just I – mean, that, that's just what you do when you play college basketball. That's what he said, you man. Talk. He you told, just talk. He told me, and I talked to him, it's not – he doesn't mean it for cockiness. It's to give his team confidence. That's what he And says. it worked, and it really worked, and they just shut him down, and you saw it in the first half, just some of the frustrations, and, at that, and after that – all he could do was score from the free throw line. That's all that he had going for him. You know, Jalen Walker wasn't able to get anything done, you know, outside of the charity stripe. And I, and I think that that was just, that was so impressive to see out of 
a guy like Larry Austin, who's able to just get in somebody's head in that way that they're just unable to score. And that's all that they're for. I mean, that, that's all that Jalen Walker does is he scores. That's scores, his job. Scores, yeah. And that's just, and, and you shut him down Ed hit the number one thing that he does. He was not able to do against you. And I think that works well. If you can try to, you know, figure out how to exploit that almost. I understand exploiting that when it comes down to a player, right? You take that away from a player. That's the best player. That's awesome. But I think if they can figure out how to do that collectively as a team and take away, you know, you say you take away Buffalo's offense, mm-hmm. you know, you can collectively as a team slowly, but surely take that away. And I think that's where they're going to find wins. But I didn't even get to ask you, did you see what, what Buffalo did to Ohio or no? No, I did not. 114 to 67 oh was the final. Hey gosh. No, I saw that the game was getting to a blow and I was checking the scores, but did not see the final. That is insane. Wow. I mean, Ohio is not good, but all, nevertheless, but... you win by that many points. That's not right against a team in your own division. I mean, you would have thought of it like Western or something if anybody that was getting beat that bad the way that they played this year, but wow. It's, it's kind of crazy just how good Buffalo is, but yeah, man. I mean, you, but the, the, the thing is, too. I understand Ohio's at the bottom of the MAC East, and I and I get that they're not good, and I understand that they're three and ten in conference. But realistically, you know, looking at teams that could top Buffalo, I mean, I would not be shocked if Bowling Green did it, yeah, if no. Kent State did it, if Toledo, if Central did it. Most teams have Eastern been in games with them. I mean, like, it's been close, and that's what that's just kind of it, it's nice about this conference because there's going to be good competition. But it's also so frustrating at the same time because you just don't know who's good. Yeah, and who's you don't like know the how good they one. really are. Yeah. I understand Buffalo's dominant I mean, yeah, and Buffalo, so is Bowling Buffalo Green. But still, like the best team, but. They look like the best team, but still, like they, they can be beaten. It's not like they're gods. Yeah, no, exactly. That's no, the I, thing. I agree with that through and throughout, and that's just kind of kind of what's getting me excited for a couple more weeks down the road here, man. I am ready to go to Cleveland. I can tell you that much. I, honestly, I'm just ready for March because it's my favorite, favorite season of the whole year. But, no, that was uh, – Definitely a, an interesting night the other night. I think that the the even better part was when, you know, they started to kind of, or Walker started to kind of get something going in that second half when around and they took the lead. Um, he hit a couple of buckets finally from the floor to be able to kind of get him right back to the tide mark. Then they went up by four points for the last 10 minutes of the game. Oh, of six from the field. I think that that's really impressive to be able to shut a guy down like that down the stretch that, you know, is going to have the ball in his hands every single time. And he's used to making those kind of plays and making the plays for his team to win. He was able to shut him down and then really, really control it. So, I mean, yeah, they got these couple of games coming up here against against those two opponents in the road, and then it'll be Toledo on senior day at home, so an emotional day, a game that if CMU can manage, you know, I'm honestly, if I had to guess, I think they're probably going to drop one of these two games in the road, but if they can find a way to get both wins, that's going to be a huge game um, at McGurk Arena on, on that, that Saturday when those two teams meet. So it'll be interesting to see what happens, um, if they can make it there and have that be a game that decides for a tiebreaker between the two teams for the MAC West, but... Nevertheless, because they finish out with a couple of games against Northern Illinois and Western Michigan, two teams that CMU could very easily beat. Um, so it'll, it'll yeah, be, Ball State and Eastern Michigan both right behind CMU in the West in, in Division. The so I mean, <laughs> you couldn't ask for a better three games in a row. I mean, really, or a more stressful three games in a row. Hey, isn't that what we're and in then, for, man? You know what though? And then <laughs> next up, Senior Day against Toledo at home. Toledo's right ahead of them. Yep. I mean, and then you cap it off with Northern Illinois and Western, Western. Michigan. Northern Illinois, they have the same record in conference as Ball State at five and eight. Remember, Eastern's five and seven, and CMU's seven and six. So all of those teams are really right there. It's so been you a get, fun you year. Get, you get Toledo, that, that Eastern, division. Ball State, Northern Illinois, and then obviously Western. But let's not talk about the Broncos. <laughs> you get those games, anything can happen. I mean, CMU no, I could mean, easily be number one. They could I, easily be at the bottom me, of that Give me group. Western on the road rivalry. 
I can see it going wrong south on them. End of the year, you yeah. slip up. That team, well, Western would want nothing more than if CMU was in a tie for the top of that division than to, to, then, then to beat them. Yeah. By, and they, they, were, they got themselves back in the game. I mean, no, Western sucks, but they did get their first MAC win. They got themselves back in the game against CMU, and they played them and, until halftime. CMU kind of t- took over the last 10 minutes, but things could happen. Things could happen, but, you know, we'll see where it's at. So, yeah, it's definitely a close division over there, but the, the women's team on the other side real quick, just kind of looking at it, they've kind of started to pick back up their dominance a little bit. Going and getting that win at Western, you know, by a dominant score against their rival. Three straight road games, three wins. That's why Sue Guevara is such a good coach because in this conference, it is not easy to come by, and it's definitely not easy to come by when you have to play against Buffalo in the middle. CMU had a really big lead in that game. They kind of let it go, but 195, I mean, when do you normally see that in conference play? I don't think it's... Uh, Especially in women's ever, basketball, too. Yeah, I mean, right, exactly. Like, it's just Nothing, nothing to discredit them, but you understand my point. Well, points, I mean, statistics are statistics. I mean, you just look at it, they're not usually scoring around that many points. So it was definitely a new territory. We'd be able to put up 100 against Buffalo and be able to hang on to the win. I say hang on because they were up by double digits for a majority of that game, and then, you know, Buffalo kind of stormed back, you know, sense of urgency, realizing that, you know, if they kind of wanted to, you know, be the better team or the overall best team in the MAC going into the the tournament, they kind of had to have this win. They didn't get the job done, so you know, there's there's that. But it's it's definitely an interesting division because there's a lot of teams battling it out right now, um, kind of along the top. So when you look at their schedule coming up here, they have Northern Illinois, Ball State, Eastern Michigan, Western Michigan, and Toledo to finish out the season before they go to the MAC tournament. So very similar to CMU, it's actually all the same game, just kind of kind of mismatched, but. Is there any other that really scare you? Not really. I mean, I, I think if you wanted to talk about maybe this, the scariest one, I mean, maybe Northern Illinois, just because they're second in the West Division. But yeah, man, none of those games really jump out to me. I mean, I think Eastern, Eastern, Western, and, and Ball State, those are all very manageable games. I mean, I mean, come on, Western Michigan's two and eleven, Ball State's two and eleven in conference. I understand you can't overlook those kind of things, but. But still, I mean, they're, they're just not at the top of their game. Toledo, they're right there in the middle. But I, I just don't see that being too much of an issue. I mean, I, I think basically you're, maybe they'll drop one, but I, but I would not even be remotely shocked if they if they won out of um, of the regular season and they, they took care of all these games and, and finished up strong. No, I mean, it wouldn't surprise me one big. Honestly, it'll probably end up happening that way because of the way that they played. These last three games, like I said, you know, I, I talked to you in the last podcast you were a lot less concerned. I was a little more concerned. Maybe that's because you're around them more and just see how they're actually playing. But these last three games, they've definitely impressed me enough to say that they're probably going to have a good shot to win out. But, I mean, nevertheless, the two teams that are right behind them, I mean, Northern Illinois and Toledo, they're both two and three games behind the Chippewas and the, and the West standing. So they both have games, you know, coming up against CMU here. The, the Toledo game could be a potential huge game at the end of the season um, if CMU were to slip up in a couple of these. So, you never can look ahead. You can't look ahead too far to the MAC tournament, and they still got to handle their business um, and get that done. So it'll be interesting to see if they if they figure that out. But really quick to wrap up the podcast here, we want to talk about gymnastics coach Jerry Reihard, um, placed on paid administrative leave um, pending a, an investigation that's going on right now. Um, Evan was able to you know get a get a hold of Michael Alford yesterday, the uh, CME athletic director, and what did, what did he say to you? Yeah, I mean basically it's an internally. Um, investigated thing, and there's really no connection. He said, or absolutely no connection with Larry Nassar's case or Title IX, so which would be you know any form of sexual assault in any type of way. I'm still looking for more details on that. You know, the athletic department um, has yet to release what they're investigating him for. CM Life has reached out on multiple occasions and, and have been told that basically it's it's not fair 
to release what he's being investigated for. And um, but I, for me, from what I've been hearing, I assume that things will get wrapped up pretty quickly, and and we'll be hearing about it soon. Yeah, for sure. He's definitely a, a face that's been well known here. He's been here since 1984, so he's a pretty well recognized guy um, around the program. And I mean, obviously, for CMU to do this, I know I know Michael Alfred's had his uh, his instances was kind of getting rid of people, which kind of makes people think. Like so I've seen some stuff on social media, like why why are they doing this? This guy's been here, and like people like like him so much. Obviously, that's a a bigger issue than that. They have to go into an investigation and actually look into it. So there's obviously some problem that they have to take care of, and we'll see where we'll see where it goes. But Time it's will definitely interesting to follow. So, nevertheless, that'll wrap it up for us on Maroon and Bold. Thank you guys for listening. It's been a been a crazy week of sports, and we can only hope that it keeps going because that's what we live for. But thanks for listening, guys.